Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, great to have you with us. Doug Birdsong, uh, by the way, liked the idea of story time with the suit. And I texted him back, and all I put was, um, with eight M's. <laughs> and uh, I think at that point, Doug then swung to my side of the ledger. And see, that's an experience thing. Okay. And with the suit, once you experience it, I'd say once, I think you pretty much you're on board. You know what's going on. <laughs> He's sitting back saying, "Why am I getting abused like this?" Well, well, see, well, see, the problem is, I speak from experience from some of the away games I've done. When we make our Chick Fil A stops to and from said away game, Doug is with the team, so he doesn't get to right. hear the the after all the off air stories like you uh, and I do. That's the thing. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but Doug's in the booth with him. He knows it's a trip. That's the suit calling right now. <laughs> Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Now, this is a good day to go online. And probably tomorrow, well, for goodness sakes. <laughs> yeah, it's a good day to go online. And since you have the ability to go online, uh, you can check out the great deals. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great pre-owned inventory, all that and more at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Our play-by-play call of the day, big play by Purdue. Williams, double-team and another no-look pass. This time he finds Mason Gillis. Rob Blackman with the call on the Purdue Radio Network. I'm, really, I'm happy for Rob, by the way. He ended up being the guy when Larry Clisby, who had been there for 41 seasons, uh, essentially Larry really had to retire, unfortunately. Uh, he's had some health issues, uh, health issues that are tough for anybody to overcome. Uh, and Rob got the job. I'm thrilled. Rob's a great guy, and they made a great choice with him. All right, so let's get into some Clemson-Notre Dame, all right? And that would mean Reginald Walker joining us from Charlotte, North Carolina. Reginald, welcome back, my friend. It is great to have you with us. Happy holidays, guys. I hope you guys are uh, are, are making it along in the snow up there. I know you're used to it. Yeah, well, yeah I grew up in New England, as you know. Uh, you know. And after you gave us the little Bill Raftery shout-out last week, that was pretty good. So we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, if I, if I remember right, I do remember the box score of the T.O. game that you were just talking about. I think he officially had six drops in that game. Six drops. Whoa. Whoa. That's 26 targets. Mm. Oh man! Uh, mm. Wow. Okay. Um, 
So Notre Dame is going to play Clemson this week. So, I mean, let's go to uh, 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 to that and, and get to that since that's right there in your own backyard. Uh, I watched North Carolina. Let's, let's use the uh, analogy from today. I just watched North Carolina snowplow the Miami <laughs> defense, okay, with the running game. Yes. I also watched Notre Dame control that same running game. How good, in your opinion, is that Notre Dame defense? It's really good. I mean, they, they uh, up front, I think they are uh, – first of all, let me say this. That defensive front and then their offensive line, I think both of those groups are in the top ten in the country, respectively. I think Notre Dame's offensive line is probably top three in the country. I think Notre Dame's defensive front is probably somewhere around seven or eight in the nation. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's the beginning of why – they can control it because they don't necessarily need safeties flying down in the box recklessly uh, to make sure that they contain the running game. I mean, they contained Clemson's running game the first time around. I want to say Clemson ran for less than 50 total yards uh, from a running back position. I think DJ Uyunglele had, uh, you know, a couple of big plays with his feet, but Travis Etienne was pretty much neutralized. Uh, he and Lynn J. Dixon were pretty much neutralized by this Notre Dame defense in terms of the running game the first time around. And I think that's going to be a key this time. Can Clemson find a way to create space for those guys in the backfield? See, this is why you talk to Reginald. He's the only person we have on the show who can possibly pronounce the backup quarterback's name at Clemson and, and, and actually do it right. <laughs> well, somebody a long time ago in a classroom uh, in State College, Pennsylvania, at technically University Park, let's get that right, Yes, taught me a long time ago that accuracy was important uh, when you're pronouncing people's names. And yes, so I, I've kind of stuck with that for the last, I'm not going to say how many years. I wonder who that insane instructor was. All right. Um, but that, <laughs> yes, that, that instructor had a point. Uh, because, you know, it, 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 here's, here's the reason, just very quickly for everybody, why I emphasize that part of it early in class. You have to do everything you can to not lose credibility. And you're going to have people out there in the social media world, which obviously you exist in, all right, it, it, that they're ready to pick you apart. And you know that, Reginald. They're ready to Absolutely. pick you apart. They're ready to pick you apart in any mistake. So you minimize those mistakes so you reduce being picked apart. All right. So when Lawrence what di- now Lawrence moves pretty well. What he di- does. what difference does he because I mean DJ threw for over four hundred yards in that game. This was not he like did. this was not a pedestrian game. So when you look at the Lawrence factor in this one and then you look at the Ian Book factor, what do you see? Well, I think with, with when you look at the previous game, when it comes to DJ and what he threw for, I think a lot of that, and I don't want to diminish what the kid did because he did a great job, and, and I thought that uh, Tony Elliott and that offensive staff called a great game. I also think Notre Dame was kind of like, you're going to have to beat us with your arm. We don't trust you as a passer the way we would respect Trevor Lawrence. So I think that's step number one when you look at the first matchup. When you look at what Trevor Lawrence brings, there's the automatic threat of the passing game with him because you've seen him do it so well for the last two-plus years. And then you also know he can keep it and run well enough, that, which I think is very, very important. Uh, and so that's where the game plan, I think, for Notre Dame has to change slightly yeah. because they know that Trevor can throw it. And with DJ, they were 
aware that he might be able to throw it, but he hadn't shown that totally yet. And so if I'm a betting defensive coordinator, I'm going to bet on what you haven't shown me consistently on film and make you use that to beat me. Uh, So that's part one, part and parcel number one. On the flip side of that, when you look at Ian Book and Notre Dame, uh, look, the guy's just a really good decision maker, but I think what they do so well, and we talked about that offensive line, but Sebo Flemister does such a really good job as the – he's really their more physical back, but somehow he finds a way to beat up on defensive backs as well. And so that helps them in the passing game And then Ian Book does a really, really good job extending plays. And they've got big physical receivers. I believe Skoranek's 6'5". He is. Uh, So they've got these big physical receivers that can also run, which makes it very, very difficult. And so what you have to be able to do is you have to be able to get to Ian Book with four and then get him on the ground, more importantly, because if he's able to extend that play, and you know this, I mean – I was just laughing the other day. I, I looked up on Twitter, and, and, and Jay Paterno had retweeted the infamous Rashard Casey run yeah. uh, from 2000. Illinois. Ian, right. Ian Book can do those kinds of things. We saw Michael Robinson, my former teammate at Penn State, do the same types of things. When you have guys that can and, – and Ian Book, I'm not saying is explosive uh, uh, as a runner as those two guys, but he's good enough to extend it and then throw it, which makes him very, very difficult to defend. All right. Uh, so we'll have fun play the speculation game. Is the loser still in the college football playoff, or does it, or, or does the margin of the margin of the loss mean something? I think Clemson losing puts them out of the college football playoff. Yeah, that's two uh, losses, same team. Yep. Correct. Two losses, same team. You're not one of the best four. I think if Clemson beats Notre Dame, I think you see Notre Dame as – let's just say Clemson wins and Ohio State beats Northwestern, which most of us think is going to happen. I think you're going to – and I'm going to assume Alabama's going to beat Florida. You can't, it's going to be hard to convince anybody that Florida's going to beat Alabama after losing to LSU. So I'm going to leave that right there. So I think what yeah. ends up happening is Bama would be one. Clemson would be your two. Ohio State would slide to three if they win. Notre Dame, four. And my true opinion, the only team that I honestly think is a threat to Ohio State, if Ohio State wins and, you know, chaos in front of them does not ensue, Mm -hmm. is Iowa State. It's not Texas A&M. Okay. Because Iowa State, if they were to win, would have a second consecutive win over Oklahoma. Which is another top ten team. And the committee already loves them, which is why they shot them up this far anyway. And the committee has had several consecutive weeks of the Buckeyes not playing with an opportunity to move Texas A&M ahead of them, and they didn't. Yeah, uh, true, uh, along the way. Oh, okay. Uh, but, yeah, I, it's, it's fun. It, it, should, they, should this deal expand? It, they can't do it till this contract's over. You're not going to get more money from ESPN. ESPN, you know, right now financially is trying to make sure it's got its ship straight um, and the rudder working right. Uh, but when this runs out in, what, five years, should they go to eight? I, I think they should. Uh, I, and, I, and I know everybody was calling for expansion this year um, just to, try, quote, try it out. Steve, you and I well know. You, if they would have gone to eight or 
my goodness forbid, 16 this year, right. they would have never been able to put that genie back in the bottle. Oh, no. So That's right. that was not, you know, and everybody's, oh, just for one year. It, it, you're not going to let it be for one year. So that idea wasn't going to work. I do think they need to go to eight, or they need to just tell us what it is. It's, a, it's an invitational for the Power Five schools yeah. and, and move on from there. Um, and that's one of the things that's been my issue is the committee continues to say that there is a path for the Cincinnati's, the Coastal Carolinas, the BYU's of the world. There is not a path. No, there's and not. And just stop saying it. That's, that's right. the problem. That is exactly right. There is not, realistically, there is not a path for any group of five team. There just isn't. I mean, anybody that says that is, is I'm sorry, you're just, you're telling what would be called the, the old-fashioned white lie. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm saying it, but that's not really true. Uh, it, it sounds good, but that's not really true. Um, right. And uh, I, but here's here's the issue. I the college football playoff to me has created an unintended consequence, and the unintended yes. consequence is requ- is created was yesterday, and that was National Letter of Intent Day. You have players now left and right. Now, the difference between the NFL, as you know, and college football, in the NFL, you finish with the worst record, you get the first pick. You finish with the worst record, you get a last place schedule or whatever you know you have to be. In college football, you finish with the best record. A lot of times you're getting a really good recruiting class to follow it up with. It's just the that's rich right. the rich get richer. And that's that's why I think that's part of the reason why I'd like to see the the playoff expanded down the road, because I think you need to expand the opportunities for players to get into the thing and expand the schools getting into it, which can might 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 spread the talent around. Well, yeah, I agree, and I think I also think speaking of and and we and this is an elephant that I'll jump back to sure. in the room. I think that also is the reason why you saw ESPN just do what it did with the SEC. Three hundred million a year. Three hundred. Well, because here's here's the other piece of that too, though, Steve. If you look at what happened this year, the Big Ten started later. The ACC was kind of moving games around, and the SEC started a little bit later. And, and many of the Group of Five teams started right on time and then but if you looked up there was one week i think i saw like louisiana and it wasn't a power five team but that was the noon espn window that's right the 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 tv networks let's call it what it is they've done the math and they have the ratings numbers those don't rate as well they don't want that as a noon kick on espn or abc that's right that's why they have to overspend to get the other properties. Now, what they're doing is backhandedly, if you will, financing the American and the Sun Belt because those are the schools that are going to end up no matter what right. on CBS Sports Network, ESPNU, ESPN News. And, and so all of a sudden, by doing these conference networks, and, and look, Fox is a part of it with the Big Ten Network, right? Right. As that continues, you have to fill the inventory of the, quote, smaller networks somewhere else that are not right. conference-affiliated. Right. And so you backhandedly fund the, 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 quote, group of five conferences. Right, exactly. Look, that's why if, if I'm the Big Ten, I'm taking a long, hard look at CBS's 330 window where they've had great success. I take a long, hard, I take a long, hard look at that because the NCAA tournament is a perfect example of this. Everybody in the opening weekend loves Cinderella. But you know what the, yep. rate, you know what the ratings show? Once Cinderella gets to the Sweet 16, interest drops like a rock. Yep. I mean, the ratings show that. All right. That's right. Sir, always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Um, 
let's see. Hopefully, let's see. Next week's Christmas Eve, so I may. We'll try and see if we can hook up with you next week or whatever. We'll, we'll work it out. Absolutely. Hopefully, we get a bowl game. If yeah. hey, if we get a bowl game, guys, we could be staring at a five and five year after starting zero and five. I'll take that. We yeah. are. Reginald Walker, former Nittany Line, now working. He's the analyst for Charlotte. Uh, he does radio. He does TV. He does a lot of stuff down there. It's great to have him with us on the show. He's been coming on as a regular here the last few weeks. Ben Jones, final half hour. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 to 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com and News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Eh, it's not the greatest state it may be to go over, but check out online. Then you can go over. It'd be great. Do that. They have a lot of great stuff online right now. Great stuff online. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Okay, great. I mean, really fabulous. So, uh, Fabulous pre-owned inventory, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15 at Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. So Mario Cristobal thought to be a prime candidate for the job at Auburn signs a six-year, $27.3 million deal to stay at Oregon. So there you go. I think... uh, You know, Oregon's looking around. Again, you always have to ask the question when you make a move on a coach. I mean, sometimes it's dictated you have to. I got that. Um, Sometimes, though, you've got to uh, look at the um, situation and ask yourself, okay, um... Can I make myself better if I make this move? Who do who is out there that is better? And that's always a question that needs to be asked. That way you're, quote, avoiding unintended consequences. At Auburn, for example, they've obviously uh, have come to the thought process, they think there's somebody better out there than Gus Malzahn. Illinois has come to the conclusion they think there's somebody out there that's better than Levy Smith. And uh, same thing at, let's see, who's the other? Arizona. Kevin Sumlin. Sumlin, they've lost 12 straight games. And they've lost 12 straight games. Not good. Not good. 
But I think that's always the, the key that you have to ask that question. Can you make a move where, in the end, I'm better? Did I improve myself by picking this person? Okay. I think that's always the part you have to ask. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Now you listen to that last caller on the promo. Now you know why I'm a little uneasy about the government running college football and basketball. <laughs> Actually, that was one of our state uh, representatives. Was it? Yes. Well, he makes he makes it. That's why I'm uneasy. <laughs> okay. I'm with you. Those are, those are the rules? Really? I was like, oh, my goodness. You can barely run your own office. All right. So, <laughs> great. And we're paying for it. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. It doesn't mean all the ideas are bad, but it just... I'm a bit skeptical. All right. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai. Great new inventory. Fabulous selection of pre-owned inventory. Absolutely. And not only that, but a great service department to back it up. And a great time. This is a great time of the year to buy. That is at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. A lot of great deals right now. By the way, uh, it's finals week, so you have to work the practice schedule around. Normally at this time, Penn State would be, let's say, starting its Thursday practice about, I'd say, 25 minutes from now. They've already practiced today. And again, because you have to do this in such a way where you can get the maximum number of guys there because it's finals. And that's that's the issue. We're going to talk, you know, I'll talk to Jim Ferry about that tomorrow. Again, the reason I I brought that up last week, and a couple of people were critical, like you're making excuses. I sat back and went, um, I asked because of my basketball experience. I mean, 39 years of doing finals week, so I know that you know you've got you have to move the practice to 10 a.m. and suddenly you've got 10 out of the 15 guys there because that's the maximum number you could get there. So I just know how it how the week works, uh, and concentration wise, they're not at their best. I mean, I mean, this is basketball now. We'll see how football handles it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll handle it fine. They're very organized, but that's the only reason I brought up the question. The only reason. 
And like I said, Jesse Lucchetti yesterday had two 400-level finals yesterday. And the only reason I know that is I was standing next to him and I asked him. All right, let's bring in Ben Jones, stakecollege.com. And, Ben, welcome back. Great to have you with us. I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great that you gave the time today. Uh, your thoughts on uh, what you heard yesterday from uh, Andy Frank and James Franklin when it came to the recruiting component? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing for them is, you know, don't get hung up on overall class rankings, that that you can recruit guys that are maybe overlooked or guys that develop later in the cycle or guys that, um, you just feel really good about and maybe other people just didn't see the same thing in them that you did. And, and ultimately, so much of a recruiting class ranking is about how many guys there are. Um, you know, you can look at some of these classes that are ranked ahead of Penn State, and they've got fewer four-star guys, but they have more players overall. So I, I think, you know, the big thing for them is, you know, don't don't worry. I think it's probably it, coupled with a little bit of, yeah, it's got to get better. Yeah, they want to improve and get back to where they were, but you know, it's a, it's a weird time. It's a weird year. It's a weird cycle. Um, and, and not to worry too much, they'll get back to things that you know fans are sort of used to. Well, I think if you want to take a look at recruiting to begin with, check out how many guys ran through the tunnel for, on Senior Day. That then tells you a, a, a round number about how many scholarships they have to play with to do this. When you only have fifteen, I, I to me, I look at the average star rating of this thing, which then when the average star rating is in the same category as the last four years, that tells me that it may be fewer numbers, but at least the initial read is it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the challenge that you always have in, in football in particular is that, you know, you might only be able to offer one or two guys at any given position, and you want one of those guys on the long run to pan out for you. I think that's always the challenge of balancing a class is getting all your positional needs. And, you know, we had heard – that was really the other thing that, that both Frank and, and James, which uh, <laughs> sounds like I'm saying his name I backwards, know, yeah. but, right. um, <laughs> um, you know, they both talked about yesterday was that, you know, they're going to look at the transfer market more, or the transfer portal rather, to be more politically correct about what it's called, to, to find some immediate needs at, at different things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, you only have so much to work with. You can only put in as much as you take out. So, um, ultimately, your class sizes are always going to fluctuate and reflect, you know, various things along the line. Uh, which now brings me to the transfer portal. Uh, you and I both know from the basketball experience what the transfer portal does to keep teams older. Uh, in football, especially with the no-sit-out rule coming up, uh, what can this mean to programs across the country, including Penn State, yeah, I mean, I think it's the same thing like you just said for basketball, which is, you know, you can go and recruit a guy that is, you know, maybe a five-star defensive back or a four-star defensive back and bring him in and maybe he is or is not quite ready. Um, or you can go and maybe find a guy that's played a lot of football. I think probably the best sort of hypothetical example of this is that the junior is very good right now, but he's going to be much better in three years. So you can either – go find another Joey Porter Jr. and try and develop him and make him start to do what Joey Porter Jr. has done this year. Or you can go find the more advanced version of him, so to speak, and bring them in. You've got a little bit more experience. You've got a guy that knows how to you know, work around the weight room, to work around the academic parts of things, really just how to practice, can be a leader. 
Um, and, you know, we see that in basketball all the time. It, it's harder in football, I think, just because there's so many guys. But ultimately, your needs right. are your needs. And we heard James Franklin say yesterday, uh, specifically, I feel like it was one of the few times that we've heard him really make an outward recruiting pitch for a certain position that yeah. you know, corners, defensive backs, defensive ends, you know, we're looking for you, and they're going to be looking in that transfer portal as much as anywhere else. Exactly. Uh, when I looked at the game and on Saturday with Michigan State, the first quarter felt like the previous two games. They're playing good defense. They're doing what they do offensively. They're driving the ball. Yeah, the penalty set them back, and so they ended up with a field goal. Second quarter, in some ways, felt like the early part of the season. And then I thought the second half was the best football I've seen them play all season. So that's how I viewed the three segments of the game. How did you view it? Yeah, I think it was that's a pretty good way of putting it. I think, you know, and it, it, to a lot of ways, it, it, it speaks to the challenge of this year for Penn State, which I think is consistency. It's the ability to do good things for four quarters because we've seen against pretty much everyone they've played, they've done good things at times, but yeah. it's. It's very hard to do that for a full 60 minutes. I think you're right about the first half. I think in the second half, um, you know, their ability to have explosive plays when, you know, we've seen over the years, and this is true for really any football team, but when you can have explosive plays, yeah, it can really change the game. And, and Penn State was able to do that. And, and ultimately, you know, I think it was one of those games that felt like the other ones too because you felt like on paper and what you were seeing on the field that for the most part Penn State was the better team, but they were not winning. And I think their ability to go out and kind of execute some good things and, and put that game away, you know, obviously there's some individual efforts in there, um, especially from Jahan Dotson. But ultimately, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think in terms of a complete football game, in the second half at least, that was probably their best in all three phases. All right, un- under the category of knock on wood, but Sean Clifford has thrown one interception in the last 12 quarters. Uh, so what are we seeing from him in that quarterback spot in the last three weeks that maybe we hadn't seen before? Yeah, I think it's a few things. I think, on to his credit, he is making better decisions. I think one of the things that, for the most part, made Trace McSorley so good was that he, I mean, he had his moments, but I would say he rarely made a throw that he knew that he immediately regretted. And I think Sean has tried some things. He kind of reminded me a little bit of, uh, the middle of Christian Hackenberg's career where, when Christian felt like he had to force some, th- some things to try and make stuff happen. Um, but I, I think, you know, Sean has done a better job of just taking what the defense gives him. And to the coaching staff's credit, I think they have um, simplified things to the point where, mm-hmm. you know, it's much easier for him to make those decisions. We talk about, you know, the, the phrase of putting your players in a position to, to succeed. And some of that is, you know, play calls and ideas and concepts and decision-making. But a lot of that is also, can you put your quarterback in a position to make smart choices more often than not? And I think the big thing that they've done recently is that they're not trying to be 2016. They're not trying to be 2017. They're just trying to get some first downs, move the ball, get it in the red zone, then score. And, you know, maybe that's not flashy. Maybe it's not exciting. And maybe it means that we're going to have to watch, you know, death by a thousand will levises but you know it, it is it is working and at this point of the year uh if you've got an equation that's going to get you a win uh you're going to keep doing it well the other the other part i mean look kirk Sharaka thought in the summertime he could play a certain way and now of course circumstances have dictated he can't so this is not really how he wanted to play i'll tell you what really struck me above all um ben uh, I'm not going to get into how I voted, but uh, because I'm not allowed to. But I'm one of the voters for the All Big Ten team, 
when it came time to vote for running back, and I had to vote for six of them, I thought, oh, my goodness, Journey Brown is a cut above every one of these guys. And that really struck me at that point in terms of, you know, I knew what they lost, but it really hit me at that point what they really lost. Yeah, and I think that's something that gets, you know, lost in the conversation about this season sometimes is just that, you know, Penn State was going to go into this year leaning on three or four running backs. It wasn't going to make Parker Washington do as much as he has done. It wasn't right. going to make – I mean, he might have leaned on Jahan Dotson and Pat Fryermuth, obviously, but there was an anticipation that this offense was going to be more balanced in terms of personnel, be more, you know, run heavy, I would have to imagine, just based on personnel. You take those things out of the equation, you do it right before the season – um, you know, you take Micah out of the equation, which, you know, I think Penn State's defensive issues are more than something Micah could solve, but he is certainly a good anchor in the middle of all of that. Um, yeah, I mean, you do that, then you have to change your entire approach. Um, you know, these guys are smart, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Um, so I, I do think that they've done a good job, especially in the second half of this year, of sort of adjusting to the reality. Because I do think the challenge for really any coaching staff is, how do you balance the, between the team that you would really like to be and the team that yeah. you ultimately have to be? Right. And at what point do you sort of pull that trigger and decide, you know, this is what we are? And I think the last couple of weeks they've sort of done a good job just sort of embracing that this is what 2020 is going to bring and we'll worry about the rest of it this offseason. Ben, uh, what do you think of the basketball part? As of right now, the, the next team they're playing is Illinois, which is playing terrific basketball, and Illinois has got another game coming up. They'll have two games in between before Penn State plays again. You know, if nothing changes. Uh, what do you think of how, about how they played to this point? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we talk a lot about, or maybe not you and I, but people talk a lot about, you know, Mike Watkins and Lamar Stevens being no longer on the team um, and how that is going to somehow equate to them not being very good. And I think that people forget because it's, it's easy to forget that, you know, Penn State was so good last year because it had so much depth, it had so much coming off the bench, it had so much shooting, and, and all those guys – are back and I think because of that you know this Penn State team is more or less I think what I expected a a decent shooting team a team that can be hot and cold from three a team that has maybe some questions inside if we'll put it politely and and then from there they're able to be competitive I think that Michigan loss um, sort of exemplified all of that because they they did some good things inside but not quite enough they shot enough shots to stay in the game but probably not I think they shot 20 more shots than Michigan in that game and had a significant number of offensive rebounds. There were a lot of opportunities to win, but I think ultimately this team is a little better than it gets credit for. The only problem is, um, you know, welcome to the Big Ten, and the Big Ten is probably as good as it has been the last few years this season. So, you know, I think it's going to be one of those years where Penn State um, is going to be competitive like it has been so far, but, you know, you're going to have to play Illinois yeah. You know, or, or Michigan State, or all these teams that are going to be, give you a hard time, and, and because of that, uh, you know, it's going to be a slog. That's for sure. Right, and that's that'll be the issue because against Michigan, they shot twenty five percent in twos. It was not their three point percentage. They actually shot what thirty seven, thirty eight percent in three. Perfectly fine. It was the twenty five percent in twos. And I do realize that Michigan, even though they hadn't played a great schedule, was only giving up thirty six point seven percent from two coming into the game because you know Dickinson can clean up a few mistakes here or there inside obviously but I mean in the end because I always love when I hear they shot too many threes no they were seven and 19 they were 25 percent in twos oh that's a problem because I mean that's the part where you've got to be 50 you have to be 50 percent in twos you have to 
Yeah, I mean you've got you've got to be able to score when you get inside, and I do think it's I do think it's funny because uh, you know you do hear lots and lots of people, especially the last few seasons, have said you know Penn State shot way too many threes, and you go, well, that's kind of the you know I sometimes think fans are waiting for Carl Malone to come out, out of the tunnel, <laughs> and, um, you know that kind of guy down yeah. down low, and that's just not where basketball is right no. now. But uh, you know, much like football, every shot that you miss looks like a bad shot, and every play that doesn't work looks like a bad call. So you right. can't ever make anybody happy. Well, uh, Ben, appreciate it very much. Appreciate your time and that you gave us today. And uh, hopefully you survive the snow like the rest of us. <laughs> you too, Steve. Thanks for having me. Ben Jones, statecollege.com. We'll wrap it up in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, tomorrow we'll hear from James Franklin, basketball coach Jim Ferry. And uh, we'll also uh, hear from the King tomorrow with his picks. Uh, Jim's going to join us at 315. We'll hear from James at 406, unless something dramatic happens like an Eagles guest. No, I think we're clear of that for now. <sighs> what a relief. Uh, <laughs> because I, I think the only reason you schedule some of these guests is because you're trying to make yourself feel better. Um, If I get that, as well as giving the people the knowledge, our Eagle fans that are Eagle fans, then it all works out. It's all good. It's a win-win. No, you're, you're scheduling these people because you're trying to find out what's going on. <laughs> You're worried. I'm always here for the people, and if I happen to benefit from it, then there you go. You're, and you are one of the people. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's, 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 there's alternative ideas at work here. Yeah. All right, so let's see. Maryland and Michigan State will be a no-go because Maryland Maryland continues to have a problem, uh, which is that's interesting. Uh, Maryland has never really been able to get back on track after the, since the Penn State game. They have not been able to get back on track, um, and that to me is the part that you sit back and go, "Wow, that's interesting." Because they haven't. They've only played, what, four games this year, I think? I think so. 
They played once after the Penn State game. It was the game against um, uh, Indiana. Right. It's the only game they played since. That means they've only played once in the last um, six weeks. Ouch. Yeah, ouch. I mean, Iowa was able to play this weekend, but obviously their game with Michigan got wiped out. So I mean, I, so Iowa falls from. Um, um, Iowa falls from the ranks of the teams that will end up playing nine games. So right now, it'd be Penn State and Rutgers. And to be honest with you, who would have thought Rutgers back in the summertime, you know, being in New Jersey, that they'd be able to make it? Let's give them credit. They have. They give them a lot of credit. Um, so that's... Um, I mean, I do give them a lot of credit. Basketball, you saw the testing. There was a 1,200-something tests in the past week. And Penn State had one positive. Uh, you know, who knows? I mean, next week it could be 500. You don't know. But... It's amazing what they've been able to do. Um, then you look at Ohio State. Ohio State, which was able to play a game. Which game did they play where they had they were down? Michigan State. So they're down on personnel. They played Michigan State, still won. And that was, that, you know... But then couldn't play Michigan because of Michigan's problem. Now there are a lot of rumors about Ohio State. Like, hey, will Ohio State have enough guys to play against Northwestern? And here's the here's the other issue too. I want to point out, Matt. Remember, the college football playoff says that each team that's in it will abide by their conference's rules. Exactly right. Well, if Ohio State has guys out for this game that tested positive this week, they can't play in the college football playoff game. They have to be out 21 days. Yep. Today's show has been brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, care routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com.